Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Artist Care and Feeding Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Caitlin Barrett, and with me is my lovely co-host, Kathleen Falsani. Hello. (laughs) And our producer, Mark. And our guest today is a guy that I have toured with a little bit. Um, His name is Nicholas Edwards, and he's an actor who recently appeared as Jesus in the Berkshire Theater Group production of Godspell. It was the first Actors Equity approved musical since the start of the pandemic here in 2020. So let's just call that a very big deal. Um, Hi, Nick. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) Nice to see you. (laughs) It's so nice to see you. Yeah. And he has a puppy, which our audience is going to be very excited to know about. (laughs) We'll post a picture. (laughs) Don't catch. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we always start with the same question, which is, Artistically speaking, how do you describe yourself? Uh, I would say, artistically speaking, I am nerdy, (laughs) out there, um, definitely outside the box, or at least I try to be, um, and very creative, always hungry to push myself um, further. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. How long have you been a working artist? Oh, man. Um, Let me think. Graduated in 2014. So 12 was my first gig in college, I would say. So eight years. Eight years. Wow. 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 And (laughs) and was your first gig as as an actor or a musician, an actor? It was as an actor. It was Kiss of the Spider Woman in Portland. So I had done the show um, in college and they had to fire actually their Valentine because mm. of, I think, artistic or work reasons. Um, he was probably like hard to work with or something. I don't remember. So they were trying to find an immediate replacement. The show opened in like a week um, and wow. they had found videos of me doing it on YouTube. Mm. And I was getting messages on Facebook. Um, and it was the music director. They had found my YouTube video. And the phone call that I received, I was kind of drunk <laughs> in the middle of the night because I was in college. This was like uh, like 11 p.m. I mean, the time difference, obviously, West Coast, mm. um, like on a Friday. and But like next thing you know, I was on a flight to Portland. Literally like two days later, wow. I had relearned the show in wow. Three days and then opened. And I wow. did a two month gig. Yeah. Two month gig while in college. Wow. So like I had to so I had to like some classes were online, but they mostly gave me like two months off for the theater classes and then I got credits for the performance. Right. Because wow. you were in school That's, in yeah. New Jersey? Yeah, Montclair State. Wow. So you didn't have yeah, an agent. <laughs> you weren't represented at all at that point. You just had material online that they found. Is that right? Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't have a rep. Um, I didn't have an agent until uh, my senior showcase. So it was just like they had found me literally online because they were like scrambling to find someone. Wow, I feel like that should be. Yeah, I feel like that should be really good news (laughs) for everyone out there. Yeah, you know who wants to work. That that I mean, like the more content. Yeah, the more content you have, like the better it is for people to see what you can do, you yeah, know? Right, right. And just like, especially right now, I'm just like learning to just keep creating, like 
Mm-hmm. Put it out there and it'll stick with someone. Yeah. So for context, because this is going to run a little bit later, um, we just found out today that the Broadway League announced that Broadway is dark until June yeah. of next year. Yes. Oh which my gosh. Is a very Lord. big deal yeah. for everyone it is. in our it's, industry. Yeah. It's really sad. It is sad. That'll be 14 and a half months by if it actually opens at that point. I couldn't believe like a f- <sighs> more than a full year I thought we would figure something out something but out. it's just there's there's just so much capital in the show and there's so much investment. It's there's almost those theaters were like made to run with mm-hmm. a full house. Mm-hmm. It sucks, especially it really being does. in New York City. Where where were you and what were you doing when the pandemic shut theater down? Okay. So I had left Frozen to do, I was understudying Kristoff to do um, Unmasked at the Paper Mill Playhouse, which and was that's like Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? Yeah, that was his kind of like um, bio musical review, kind of like Sondheim huh. on Sondheim. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was fun. It was really cool to work with him. Uh, but this was like February getting into um, the first week of March um, when we closed. And there were like whispers of the coronavirus. So we were being extra careful, mm-hmm. washing hands, everything. Um, but um, I had closed that show and then started the rehearsals for the Aida revival. Like the mm-hmm. tour that was going to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing the lab. And I had went to go see my friend in Lion King, like the Friday before um, the Monday when we started, which was the 9th of March. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, this is probably not a good idea to be in a theater right now, Mm, (laughs) especially with coronavirus, like starting to be in the U.S. Um, There were like some people with masks, but there was a man coughing behind me the whole time and I was terrified. Um, (laughs) uh, I know Saturday, Saturday comes around and I had like a dry cough, but then by Sunday it went away by Monday. I was feeling a little tired, but I was like, maybe it's just because I woke up early for the first time. Mm. Um, It was the first day of rehearsals by Tuesday. I woke up feeling like a truck hit me (gasps) and I was like, Oh, well, you know, we're doing African dancing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I get home Tuesday around like five thirty six, and I'm like I'm kind of tired so I order food and I eat and then after I finish eating I'm like wait I'm really tired mm. and then I go to my room and I just pass out I wake up at like 6am the next day Wednesday puddle of sweat oh, like no. muscle like achy and I'm like oh man I definitely broke a fever so I call like my stage manager. I had to be out that day, but I went to the doctor and they're like, well, we can't test you for coronavirus because you don't meet the preliminary requirements, which are like <sighs> cough and fever. Like I was just sick feeling. Exhausted. So yeah. They were like, well, right. So they're like, we'll test you for the flu. So I, I got can't believe the they flu. couldn't yeah. test you. Couldn't. Yeah, because it was early on and right. they were we didn't have we didn't have enough tests. So it was just right. for people they who were being really careful. Yeah, who really needed it. So I got tested for the flu. I was positive for the flu. Oh. But because it wasn't coronavirus, they cleared me for work. <laughs> so I went back the next day, right? No, no, no. So I went back and no, I was no, like, no. this is probably but even that day, 
like there were other people who were like, should we really be here? Um, I was feeling kind of better. I just had a stuffy nose and like kind of a dry cough at this point. Um, I was high off of like steroids and cough yeah. medicine or and Dayquil. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that was the day. So Thursday, the day that Broadway shut down, mm. I got like a text from the group thread at Frozen, like the boys dressing room thread mm-hmm. saying like, oh my God, like a whole month. And I was like, oh crap, what's happening? And believe it or not, that day I was supposed to walk across the street to the new Amsterdam to go to Disney's offices to sign my first Broadway principal contract to play Kristoff in Frozen for like, I know, to play Kristoff for two months. Mm. And that was like, that really sucked. But um, so that's where I was in the middle of rehearsals for Aida. I was going to go back to Frozen for a bit and then go launch this tour. Um, But it was like, Crazy. It was all of a sudden, like, I had, like, my whole future, like, ahead of me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it all just kind of just got just stripped collapsed. away. Oh, my goodness. And then I quarantined for a month, basically, by myself in my apartment in New York City. Oh, wow. um, so, I, I have a one-bedroom, so it's just me. Um, and... So, like, it's nice usually, like, when you live in New York to have a one-bedroom. Yeah. yeah. But then during coronavirus, I was like, well, I can't go home because I'm sick. To my yeah, I can't go home to my parents. Mm, right. I can't see anybody, so it was really hard. Um, so, I oh no, I was just going to ask: Did you actually at any point in this process find out definitively that you did have COVID? Yes. So I got tested after I felt better, like a month later. It was like this uh, crazy um, s- sequence of symptoms of like I felt like I. The, what the longest lasting thing was feeling like I had a sinus infection for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but also like breathing was weird. Like I would take a walk every day and I was like, why is a walk around the block really hard? <laughs> mm. Or why right. is going up my stairs really hard? Uh, and then like, obviously the mental impact, um, right. anxiety and panic, but I didn't, I like lost my taste and smell for like a day. Cause I heard about it online and I was like, wait, <laughs> I remember I had, Asian food last night and it wasn't as good as usual like it's usually spicy and I oh, and I remember being like I remember being like yeah I remember being like that day like uh this was not that great but then I started opening like the peanut butter in every jar in my fridge and I was Tasting. like I can't smell it <laughs> oh, no. right, right I could smell the yeah I could I could smell the coffee that like faintly but oh. no I, I got tested like a month later it was negative but then when I went to see my mom like t- after two months of being in New York, I was like, I should go get the antibody test just to make mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So I got the antibody test, and that's how I knew for sure that I had it. That you'd had it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I, I have antibodies. Yeah. So were you? So that's a good thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, in, in many ways. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's hopefully there's no long term, besides the mental impact, which I'm sure is a huge physical impact mm-hmm. you know because the mental and physical is so connected in like mm-hmm. the human body but um when we get through this hopefully because we're all experiencing like mental mm-hmm. like oh uh, my goodness the yeah. mental impact of this the mental health impact of this but um hopefully there's no long-term effects of this that hopefully you can recover yes. like the flu yeah right, right. yes may well, it be so for you my friend wow yeah. i hope so 
Yeah. Um, and then, so during this, then about the time that you went to see your parents was the uh, beginning of the Black Lives Matter protests also, yeah. right? Yes. So how was that for you? Well, it was crazy because then all of a sudden New York became like the battleground for everything, like Mm -hmm. COVID, the social justice movement. And I was at my parents' house, uh, I want to say like early June and like everything was happening. Um, And then my friend, uh, Nicholas had texted me and he's like, (laughs) Nicholas, he texted me, he's like, we got to get out of here. I have a house in Florida. Come with me. And I wasn't sure if Florida was the best place to go, but we were literally going to sit there in his house that had like a pool and all that for like a few weeks. I was like, I'm going to go. So I went with him and that was very much needed for me to like get away, be with a friend Mm -hmm. and have sunshine and all that. But I was having uh, like these nightmares and, and panic from social media, like seeing it every day, like as a black man, like seeing, being like, like knowing about it is one thing, but then seeing people repost the videos, there's like this huge, like impact that it has on you. Yeah. I was having like nightmares that I would go to my mom's house and she lives in like a nice, like luxury apartment in New York city, like a nice town and, or not in New York city, sorry, New Jersey. Um, and I would have dreams where I would walk, um, into her house and like a cop would be there with like a gun pointed at my face Oh my god! and I would wake up like in terror and, yeah. and I couldn't sleep. And I had to take like a social media break. Um, I never mm-hmm. went to the protests because it felt like for me, like it wasn't a safe thing to do. Like mm-hmm. I think oh, everyone has to find their uh-huh. everyone has to find their their uh, what their thing is, how they can um, contribute to the cause. Right. Whether it's like organizing, donating. If you're the type of person who can like be in the front lines and like protest, I've never been that type of person mentally. I don't think like I have it within me. Maybe I do. I don't know. Right. Um, I had scheduled to actually go to the walk on. Uh, Washington, the March on Washington, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, obviously I had things changed and I c- couldn't make it. But um, I think uh, you find what you can do to help, and mm-hmm. hopefully, if that fulfills um, your inner need to do something, mm-hmm. then that's good for you because I think we shouldn't judge people on how they how they uh, choose to use like their, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or use their voice. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. But it was hard though, because like you see a lot of your friends like either be silent about it or you have people reach out and it's kind of like, well, why are you reaching out now? Like mm-hmm. this has been an issue forever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was a weird balance and you learn to forgive your friends. And also this is kind of like a nice time to reset. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and and really look mm-hmm. within ourselves and be like, how can I be a better person? Mm-hmm. And um I like I don't like to hold grudges, so you know, you learn to let go of if people do reach out like right. disappointments um, or people who disappoint like, you. Genuinely, mm-hmm. yeah, genuinely and they and they want to, you know, say like, hey, there was definitely times that 
I was this way towards you, then you learn that people have a chance to grow and change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because along with that has come an enormous amount of upheaval in the theater circles, in management, in the way that people are casting, the shows that they're doing, like all of that. And in one of the um, interviews, of course, and we're going to get into this because of course we have to, but your production of Godspell. um, But in one of the interviews, you use the word tokenism as Mm. when you were referencing whether you wanted to take the job of being Jesus which yes. I'm like, okay, so on the one hand, Jesus was a person of color. So why would it yes. not be represented Always. by a person of color? <laughs> Period. The right. end. First off. Second off, that's such an interesting word to use because I wondered when you used it, if it's something that you felt in the past in general or specific, that that idea of tokenism in your casting or the way that you've been treated or. Of course. Um, I think that when you look around you and like, we've worked in Les Mis together right. mm-hmm. and you see that, you know, there's only one other person who looks like you right. or looks remotely anything like you. Um, you start to think like, am I here because of that? Like, I don't want to be here right. because of that. I want to be here your merit. because of my talent. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, um, Hopefully, like, you all know mm-hmm. that, like, I work really hard, mm-hmm. and I think that um, anyone who was in that cast definitely deserved to be there. Um, but you think about that, and you're like, and then when you're given, because you know that there are definitely shows that tokenize certain tracks, mm-hmm. like, um, whether it's um, Come From Away or... A revival of anything goes you see there's always or even like in Les Mis where oh that track's always been the black track mm-hmm. or the ethnic track you mm. start to think like am I just there to fill in that spot and then when Jesus came around I was <laughs> and I, I played Jesus before like in JCS but that was a right. very diverse cast so I never really questioned it it was almost an all uh POC cast mm-hmm. um I was thinking like wait are is this happening literally because of the social justice movement and they want to make right. a statement and if they are like they better do it like the right way you know what yes, i mean and I, yes. and I wanted to feel and i and i wanted to feel like i was being uh valued for like my time mm-hmm. and for my uh input into the show especially now with uh coronavirus like risking our lives so there was a lot at stake and a lot of questions to ask because we're Mm -hmm. like all in a very vulnerable place right now. So that was just, that was just me um, guarding myself, guarding my heart. No, I I think that was a legitimate question to ask it. And it didn't, I wasn't surprised by it, but it's, it's a, that has a, has a light to it for all the reasons that you just described. And I had, I had recently, not recently, but in the last month or so had heard about, um, a production company that was putting out Tootsie, the tour of Tootsie. And they were making a decision to cast it all with black or people of color actors. And there was a lot of controversy over that particular discussion within my friends who are people of color because some of them felt mm-hmm. like that 
is tokenism on a grand scale of a sort. And then some were like, I'll audition. I'm in like work is work, you know? Yeah. I think there's, I think there's the generation coming up of like new writers and creatives who truly just want to like create a show and like, have it be diverse because that's the story they've written. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's, I think there's also the camp of like people who are also really tired of like doing revivals and mm. making it a thing by having, Oh, a black guy is going to play this role or a mm, black right. girl is going to play this role. It's like, let's get over that. And let's now just write the stories for these people or write the stories so that it's just genuine and you cast the person because you really like them so like because they're good and and i think that there definitely has to be work and to in to be inclusive Mm -hmm. but i think part of that is just part of what will help that is instead of continuing to revive these old shows Mm. if you're not going to reimagine it completely is to just give more opportunities for young creatives and artists who might be of a different demographic, whether they're um, a a BIPOC uh, creative or maybe they're, you know, non-gender conforming or Mm -hmm. people from different all genders and uh, backgrounds so that they can create more stories for uh, a more diverse world. Because... That's kind of the world we're living in right now, right. you know? Yeah, because I... Do you have a... S- Go ahead, Kathy. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Do you have a, a sense for, in your creative circles, if during this sort of global timeout, if that's happening, if it's giving people... I know some people are finding it really easy to create right now because they have more space and time and other people yeah. <laughs> are being like, are you kidding me with all that's going on in the world? How can you actually produce something? But do you f- have a sense for whether those things are bubbling right now? Yeah. So definitely, especially in the casting world, there's a big initiative to help train people of color to become casting directors. Uh, casting directors are taking uh, like classes with, people of color to learn like uh, anti-bias training Mm -hmm. and inclusivity and uh, how to be like anti-racist in your casting. Because a lot of it is something that is so systemic and set in your ways Mm -hmm. as a company Mm -hmm. that you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think a lot of people are being really creative. Like I, for one, I'm like, I have to turn all of this I'm feeling into art. So I've been like writing music and uh streaming on Twitch, like trying to be <laughs> as creative of creative as I can. And there's definitely a lot of um I think there's gonna be like a surge of new works. Mm-hmm. Once we're able to actually come together, there's gonna be like a huge surge of like new works. And I also think that um people are genuinely asking the BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, people of color community, how can we be better? You know, like, uh, how can, so if we're going to do a show, like, give us your um, your favorite actor, uh, directors of color, music directors, who would you want to work with? Mm. Things like that, so that 
people feel comfortable mm -hmm. coming back into the workplace. Because I think now that everything has been brought up, mm -hmm. like not only not only uh, how whether it was like a racist uh, comment or uh, how people were being it could be like also like how people were just being treated in general in rehearsals being mm -hmm. sexualized or mm -hmm. uh, harassed i think because all of that has come up recently i think it's a nice time for us to come back to work and uh earn each other's respect again whether it's like in the audition room or in the rehearsal room i i noticed for sure and we'll talk about it more for sure but i noticed for sure when i was in rehearsals for godspell there was a a new there was like a different vibe now. There was like this understanding that the creatives couldn't just talk to, or anyone really couldn't just talk to each other how, however they wanted mm -hmm. to anymore. Mm -hmm. There was a new level of like respect you really needed to give each other. And the director was like, if anything ever makes anyone un uncomfortable, I don't even think twice about it. It's like, cut it or we'll change it. Huh. Yeah. Was there something that you noticed in that experience that was very like, you're like, oh, this is new because of the way people are acting and treating each other? Like, was there like a specific moment where you're like, oh, this got finally got fixed because. Yeah, I mean, know? right from the beginning, there was a huge conversation about our director, Alan Filderman, wanting to be open. And he's like, I'm here to listen to you i'm constantly learning i'm constantly changing so that i can be better to you the actor so it was a very open i, I mean, we also were doing such a crazy show <laughs> like a, during such a crazy time that we kind of had to but it was very collaborative in that sense that we all really there was no time for or no room for uh being in genuine, like not genuine or being rude or mean, like you just had to be honest and good to each other. Right. Yeah. Mm. I feel like we should, for people who might not know what this production was, <laughs> Caitlin, yes. maybe fill people yeah. in or yeah, anybody. Yeah, I was going to do that. Um, so Godspell is to date the only union, actors union approved musical that has happened since March. there's been one other production also at the Berkshires uh, that it was a drama. So two productions in eight months. Uh, and Nick played Jesus in this production of Godspell. And it's been really widely covered as far as the logistics. And uh, the thing that Kathleen and I were, and I were talking today that struck us when we were reading through some of these interviews that you've given to other um, journalists is wondering about the emotional toll of both working in a live performance during a pandemic and also working the way that you had to work with all of the conditions that were necessary in order to even perform. It sounded exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was definitely, I tell everyone, it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's probably mm -hmm. like, it'll probably go down as like the most incredible thing it'll I've be, It's legendary. Like there will like, never I'm, be another first musical Yeah, it'll ever. be like. Uh, so it's for the history right. books. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen, you know, again. But um, there, it was definitely like the most incredible thing that's I've ever done, and the hardest. Um, it was weird because I came back and we started rehearsals, and I was like, oh yeah, like this is what it's like. But then, and I was also equity deputy, so I like, know that meant. Yeah. Jesus in Jesus. I, I cannot. Yeah. I mean, again, for our so audience, it was, like the the performers in any performance that are that is um, an AEA or an equity performance nominate someone in the cast to be a deputy. So that person can be the person that interfaces between performers and staff, performers and management, performers and equity, answer questions, help solve problems basically and like the liaison the liaison between the union yeah. and yeah. the performers right yeah and it's it can be a pretty small job and it can be a pretty gigantic job and i feel that this one was a pretty gigantic job yeah I, it was kind of like i had never done it before and for some reason in that moment i mean i'm very spiritual mm -hmm. um i would say i'm religious but not like by the books um, and I feel like I had a moment where I was like, oh no, I need to, I think I need to do it this time. It was a mm -hmm. small cast. It was 10 of us. And I was like, I think me being Jesus, I think it would also help, but maybe the cast would feel comfortable, you know, with the person who's like leading on stage would also be that mm -hmm. person off stage. So it was kind of a duality of like being Jesus on and off stage. Right. Um, so it was Having to learn all of the COVID rules, I had to be like oh, basically man. like a COVID theater master. To, I had to understand everything, like how far apart we could be while we're singing. It was a lot. Um, mm. And obviously that was a very stressful rehearsal process. But I think what surprised me the most was stepping on stage just was so different. Um there was a lot of panic and anxiety. We all were feeling it. I think it was from the pressure of having, feeling like the whole country was like, the American theater was looking to you to be mm -hmm. like, okay, how is this going to go? And in a way it kind of yeah. was with all the interviews and press and people yeah. reaching out. So right, in a way it profile. was like that. Um, yeah. And in this little small town in the Berkshires and Pittsfield and in a... Yeah. In a parking lot with, under a tent with 50 people in the audience. Mm. But all of a sudden, like what used to be like my place of comfort, the stage where like I could go and everything would just disappear, started to become like a place of anxiety stress. and, and mm. fear and stress. But that soon went away. It was weird. It was like, off stage all day long i would have this kind of like anxious feeling mm -hmm. and then once i went on stage it was the only time i felt normal because <laughs> oh, wow. what we were because what we were doing uh like we we weren't doing anything normal we were in a bubble by Literally. ourselves living together <laughs> getting right. tested three times a week we couldn't really go anywhere like besides essential businesses so uh we weren't living a real life like we were away from our homes it kind of felt like we were kind of free, but we weren't because we, so we were living with other people. So that, mm -hmm. that was the first time we had been socializing in a large group living together in a long time for a lot of us, like first time for me, the whole uh, pandemic. Uh, but then I would 
step on stage and I, it, I would say halfway through the run, it became the place where I do the show and finally, like, I feel some semblance of normal because mm. it's what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love to sing and I love to act. And we're hanging out on stage. And Godspell really is just, like, a huge hang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you have the rush of, like, finishing the show and being like, we did it. We did a safe show. No one is sick. And then you get to go back to the house and we would eat a lot <laughs> and hang out with each other. Um, so it was very strange. It was a constant like up and down. But I had spoken to um, uh, my friend who you know, Caitlin Finney, who, oh, yeah. w- was, do- who was doing the Phantom Mountain uh, South Korea. And oh, I had spoken right. to her about this. Right. And she had said, yes, oh my God, all of us have been experiencing like panic and anxiety attacks because mm-hmm. it's so strange. You're like, am I going to get sick? Is the audience going to get sick? Are we going to get shut down? Is this okay? Am I safe? So it was very hard. But when the end finally came, uh, when we had closed the show, I'll always say that was my favorite moment, I guess. Not because it was probably the most eventful because there were a lot of eventful moments throughout the run, but it was the moment that we all finally got to say, we did it. Like, mm, yeah. we did it safely. No one got sick. Right. Uh, it didn't get shut down. Uh, no one died. Like, we did it. And we could f- try to go back to uh, our normal life, which has been kind of weird. <laughs> right. Do you think, because I look at that production and I think, wow, I, I don't think I have the constitution to do theater if it's going to look like that indefinitely. Yeah. So would you do this again like this? Oh, right. I mean, there were a lot of, ooh, there were a lot of days where I was like, is this worth it? Like we were ready to give up with all yeah. the rules and, and stops in rehearsal for COVID. Um, I would do it again. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I need some time. I don't know if I could do that. So Godspell in itself, doing a show already is hard, and especially during the pandemic, really hard. But Godspell in itself is is such a... So the first act is fun, and then the second act gets really emotional and really dark. yeah. And yeah, it's heavy. It's like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, So it gets really deep. So I don't think I could do that show again, mm-hmm. hopefully something lighter um, right. or maybe a smaller cast, you know, mm, right. Hairspray. Um, or a, <laughs> yeah. <you> no, <laughs> uh, a concert, a concert style show or something. Oh yeah. I would do again, or maybe just like, maybe I just need some time to decompress. I, t- I told all my friends, like, I think I need two months before I do anything. That was mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to see. I want to go see theater now, like yeah, some, type of, um, some type of some type of COVID approved. I yeah. and I cannot believe that professional sports are happening and they can't figure sort out of. how to put people on stage safely. Really? Well, I guess really, it's, it's it's that everyone there in like the NBA is like living together in like this. Yeah, like, but Disney you can do a short run no of something. Audience. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you could I stream think- it live, you could do it live, and you could put people in a bubble, and it could just be a short-term thing, just like professional sports, and we could have theater. I think yeah. it would be hard in New York to do that bubble type thing, but right. I know their studios here are filming, 
And there's actors who live Mm -hmm. here and are working in the studios and they don't have to like live anywhere. It's just they're tested frequently. Um, And I think a lot of people would gladly get tested every day um, and do a short run. To be able to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, To stream a show with a limited audience, maybe even. Mm -hmm. And I think New York with how well New York is doing and definitely the community wants something to do. (laughs) Um, I think also that there's a lot of like young creatives still here. And if we were to produce some small theater, it would, it would be, it would have to be new artists and Mm -hmm. people coming up because of cost and everything. But then it would be great because it would be not only giving a spotlight to new creatives, but, it would be hopefully affordable for more people. And then we mm-hmm. could also offer streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, just expand you know, do, the ways that we do this. Right. Yeah, but I think we Rather have to wait until... Rather than not do it at all. Yeah, I think we have to wait until... I mean, indoor dining's back. So I don't know when indoor anything, like uh, we haven't been approved yet for indoor theaters, like movie theaters and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully when that comes back and then it's also up to each theater company to come up with the plan and submit it mm-hmm. to equity which is what i learned mm. um sag after has a lot more money than us <laughs> uh so they're able to have you know the doctors on site and right. i mean we had a doctor an on-call doctor at every performance who was on site but you know like during rehearsals and right having a a dedicated lab in, you know, New York City for these studios who will handle all of the testing. So it's a long right. way to go. But I think the first step for New York would just to be um, to have indoor um, events, yeah. of any events, kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be allowed with a lar- with a larger group of people than one or two or five yeah. or whatever the number. I is I mean, right even now. like fifty, like yeah. socially distance would. Give us something. It would probably be a premium ticket, kind of like how oh, yeah. Godspell was. But right. I truly think people would go. People are like hungry and absolutely, especially <laughs> if you stream. If you stream it, like we got to figure that out. It's it's such a it's a long road ahead. We're just kind of you kind of take it like day by day. It yeah. sucks. Yeah, I feel I like mean, if that's anybody, everybody. Yeah, I feel like if anybody, if any group of people on the face of the planet can figure this out in a creative and sustainable way. It's the theater community in New York. Yeah. I mean, mean something I, I, uh, my agent had told me about a rooftop production somewhere. And I think there's something happening out in Brooklyn's out another outdoor. Hmm. Maybe it happened already, but I haven't heard of a lot of outdoor stuff, probably because New York space but yeah. like they could definitely like what about in central park like the shakespeare or uh what is the theater company yeah uh, like shakespeare yeah, in the park kind of situation yeah um the public yeah like, the public could, mm-hmm. that would totally work yeah i yeah i feel like there are options i mean i don't know it's it's something we actually talked about yesterday because we talked to a ballerina friend of mine who was on phantom and I feel like in certain ways it's been good that it's been kind of this gradual, like maybe it's okay. You're going to get two months off. Now you're getting three months off. Now you're getting five months off. 
But now that we know that it's going to be over a year before Broadway yeah, comes back. Yeah. And that and that affects the rest of the country too because all of the unions need to agree before they're yep. sending out professional theater troops to go even tour. So if Broadway's yeah. not coming back, that is definitely I mean, maybe the touring market will come back before cuz if if there's a state that has the numbers like doing well and uh they're a lot well you have to be able to fit that many people you know unless you do a socially distance you can't because of the money involved you have to have mm -hmm. a full sold out performance basically exactly. for a lot of these shows unless you have like a maybe the pr production of once on this island maybe it has less running costs but i can't imagine with what you're paying like the actors and the crew mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. everything that it it just I know it's not financially viable. And then you no. think you're going to take a group of actors or performers, technicians, managers, the whole thing, the whole schmada that goes into tour and they're going to move around the country. Like that is the exact uh, yeah, thing that's the other that issue. is a problem in the world that we live in right now yeah. is just yeah, the travel I mean, you, part. You, you could maybe do a short sit down in a city that is doing well, but that's going to be the local theater companies i think if anything mm -hmm. it's gonna have to be but you're right like a touring company traveling like unless they did let's say la was doing great and hamilton ah. did a sit down for but for six months like it's just unfortunately until everyone feels comfortable to yeah. gather Safe. in huge right. groups it's yeah. like not gonna happen but right now it's i've kind of i've thought about this and now i'm just like well i guess i gotta focus on like TV and film and hope that something comes yeah. from that or more small productions that th there's going to be a lot of smaller equity regional things that happen, mm -hmm. whether it's streaming or mm -hmm. socially distanced theater that definitely will happen, but the work is going to be far and few, like in between. Right. Sucks. Had you thought about doing TV and film or have you done TV and film before? Yeah, I've, I haven't done much. I did like one or two little things for like Dateline, but I've never done like a true TV show. I've always done um, theater. Like I've always been working mm. in theater, but I have a new agent now. Um, I'm with DGRW and uh, I've been having a lot of auditions for TV films. So good. hopefully like, something sticks it's like kind of luck with that it's kind of like theater you just have to keep auditioning until the casting director starts to get to know you and then you right. start going in for the things that you're right for um but i have no doubt that i'll book even if it's just a a one day yeah like guest a star commercial or shoot like or something mm -hmm. or even like yeah something like that um but we'll see the whole we casting process see. now is all done remotely Right. Yeah. So how, yeah. how I've been dying to ask somebody this. How has that changed the dynamic of auditioning when you're not physically in the room with these people? Well, I think everyone has kind of uh, eased up on, I guess, not their expectations of your performance, but we all know that we're all working from home. So there's a if you're filming in New York, you're only going to lo hire locals because of. Mm -hmm. uh, covid but you know new york right. has a lot of actors um <laughs> but i mean there's a lot of self-tapes um sometimes they'll ask you to do multiple 
uh, different takes just so that they can save on time. Like, let's say you do it a few different ways. Mm-hmm. I've heard of like Zoom interviews or Zoom, Zoom auditions. auditions. That would like, be Like Zoom, like callbacks. Wow. At yeah, least you would um, get feedback though. Because on tour, yeah. Yeah. I mean, t- self-taped auditions were a pretty common phenomena yeah. on, for touring performers because that's the only way you can get your face out there. Um, yeah. But Zoom would be interesting because then you actually get feedback. Yeah. You it's, know? it's, I think, I think it would get to that point if they needed to, but mm-hmm. I was speaking to my agent that like, it actually takes them more time now because there's no in-person auditions. They have to like actually sit and watch right. all of these videos that maybe they wouldn't always like sit through all of it. I mean, you're mm-hmm. still, I still think, you know, within like the first 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Wow. Huh? What was your first what was your first audition experience like actually now that we're into in that. New York City? Sure. Yeah, in New York. Um oh, my first New York audition was like the non-union Spring Awakening revival <laughs> and it was like a cattle call and I remember driving into New York <laughs> City with my parents at like 10 a.m. and here here I am thinking like oh that's early and the line is like <laughs> 100 miles the long. Block. And you're like, okay. But then your high school theater director's like, you need to do it so that you know what it's like. And I waited in line all day. My parents my parents went to Carmine's and they like <laughs> drove by the line. Solid choice. I went up to Had the car, got, got like the leftovers, <laughs> stuffed it in my face, went back in line. And then I remember like as we're going up the stairs, like in the line, it was so unsafe. They're, they'd be like, uh, okay, 32 bars, 16 bars, 16 bars, eight bars. And then I think it was like four bars by the time I went in there. <laughs> and I think I sang like my high school, like self, I think I sang like four bars of I'm alive from next to normal. Like out of all the songs, I was like, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm so alive. I'm alive. And like, that was it. And I was like, You're I'm like- not even right for spring awakening. So I don't even know what I was doing. So, <laughs> Um, but that was my first <laughs> New York wow. audition. Uh, embarrassing. It. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I did, I mean, you, you, you learn a lot from like what it's going to be like. And, you know, for, for the most part, when you're in college, that's the auditions that you're going to go to. Yeah. Up and, and it's even harder now because there's even more people. There's a lot of money in mm-hmm. music theater programs. Mm. Um, and there's just more people. But some some of them are doing online signups, but it's, you know, it goes like all of the slots are taken away in like 30 seconds. And yeah, but I think, but wow. I think now with COVID having happened and everything being done remotely, we can get rid of that and hmm. just do solely online like submissions. And hmm. it might be a lot of, or not, not for, not for like there's still going to be appointments but i mean like for an open call right right which we kind of we kind of have been doing but there's no reason why there needs to be 500 people lined up outside in the at <laughs> no, four o'clock no. in the morning no especially I mean, after it's a good intro not. to new york though <laughs> you're like <laughs> yeah welcome like, to the glamorous life y'all this is what it looks like <laughs> uh, yeah but not for not for uh not for theater like i feel like we should we're gonna move to a point where hopefully it's just you wake up 
you sign up for your appointment and if it's gone, it's gone. And then mm, you right. send a video and hope that you get seen. Get I seen. mean, luckily that's not my life anymore. So <laughs> yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to think or stress about that. Cause thinking about that, I'm like, Oh man, I know your palms are sweating. You're like, I'm already tired. <laughs> I'm not even it's, an actor. And I'm like, ah, it's the uh, worst. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You said that you're, at the beginning of our conversation that you started talking about, your creative energy has to go somewhere. If you're yes. an artist, you got to art. So you have been doing a lot of songwriting and singing. Yes. If, if your socials are any indications, can you talk a little bit yes. about how that um, started? Sure. So I picked up... So I've always been drawing, as uh, you guys know from tour, mm-hmm. like I've always drawn... Um, I always did like photography, um, but I, my agent, my previous agent was pushing me to pick up a guitar. She's like, it would be good for you to have an instrument. Cause I was like getting called in for like, um, uh, Orpheus and Hadestown and, and a soldier's play. And like, you have to mm. learn, you have to know how to play guitar. Hmm. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Um, so I bought a guitar last October and I started learning and, it was really hard. Um, mm. I didn't get very good at it. I didn't stick to my practice schedule. Uh, but then COVID started hap- happened, and I was like, I need to. I guess I'll just practice more. <laughs> and I hadn't like touched it in like a month or two. I think I went through like a bad breakup. So I picked up <laughs> my guitar, and one day it was like a rainy day, and I was just practicing, trying to learn a song. And then I just started like taking the chords I knew and putting my own words to it. Awesome. I think that's usually how songwriting yeah. happens. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like this felt really nice to uh, like, it just felt like a release of everything that I had been feeling. Mm. Um, and then I just, and I ha- I was in a really bad place mentally, like middle of March. Oof. Mm. Especially like early April, really bad. Mm. Um, I had used it to, I mean, I would spend literally like all day long writing songs. I would stop to eat, go for a walk, or maybe work out for like 25 minutes, like T25. (laughs) But I spent like, I would spend all day and night just writing songs and learning and getting better at guitar. And uh, now a year later, like I've written a lot of songs, um, mostly pop songs. Um, Really? Yeah, I do not want to write music theater at all um so a lot of what yet. i write is like yet 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 uh, yet yet <laughs> until they're like until they're like can you take your pop music and put it in a musical so it's a lot of like <laughs> i would say like inspirations yes. are definitely definitely like uh sam smith usher mm-hmm. uh mj and bruno mars like very like just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. radio pop um mm-hmm. Usually, most of it is just love songs to be honest um maybe i'll learn how to write something that's not <laughs> it's all love, love songs song, baby but it's, it's all, all love, love songs. songs and you can't have too many love songs absolutely um, so I've, not. Been, I've been doing that and it's and i just started sharing on my instagram recently like my acoustic stuff um whether it's just me by myself or with friends um the first one is always really hard because you put it out there and you're like oh my god and then you're like oh, oh, look at it or i don't want to look at it i, I can't know. decide <laughs> But a lot of, but it, Post and drop. but it got a lot of good, uh, like feedback and people were sharing it. So I was like, I guess I should keep doing this. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. please do. And so 
that's what I've been doing. And I hope to um, have like enough out there where I could bring it to a producer, get an EP done or submit to, I don't know if you watch Songland, but I watch, it's such a good show. It's a show about like songwriters submitting their mm. songs to uh, an artist who comes on for the day, whether it's like Boys to Men, Usher, Charlie Puth. Um, and How interesting. The winner, the winner gets their song, like their song cut by the artist. Really? Which is, How do yeah, I not know this? Cool. It's a really no. good show. I, I, think on, I think it's on ABC. I could okay. be wrong. It's Songland. It's so good. And it's very interesting. You learn about how the songs are written and produced huh. and yeah. what it takes to be like a pop to write like a pop hit. Yeah. Right. Ooh, that's fascinating. If you weren't going to go back to theater in theory, would mm-hmm. what would you do instead? I was thinking a lot about this today. Cause I saw that article and I was like, Oh, so <laughs> I've, I've always been into tech. Um, Mark knows this. Um, <laughs> and I, was thinking like I love I used to work at uh, the help desk in school and believe it or not I love helping people with their computer woes really Um, yeah even though even though like as I'm getting older I'm like what are these menu options I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) Mark help me uh so um Mm, and I, you get to say the words, have you unplugged it and turned it off? Yeah, have you turned it back on? And literally. then turned it back on? <laughs> because before you do anything, that usually fixes it. But um, I would, I definitely, like, if I would go back to school, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll go back to school for, like, graphic design or game design or something visual. But I think mm-hmm. I would go for computer design, computer uh computer science because it's you can have you can do so much with that degree like you could wow. you could work in IT you could do software development or you could use your knowledge in um, computer science and your artistry to then work in game design because you like mm, know right, some I was going to say be a yeah. digital so artist yeah, yeah so there's a lot of room to use that degree so I was like uh, Disney actually I have to check I'm waiting to see if I'm still um, eligible, but they actually do like a Disney Aspire program where they pay for your schooling mm-hmm. if you're an employee. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. So my friend is doing that. And I'm like, oh, I should do that to get my uh, bachelor's um, in science hmm. at the at, like CUNY or something like that. Sure. So, yeah, because um, it can be all done online. Not? Yeah, yeah it can and be all done online. It's the perfect time. Um, it's a perfect time, even if I don't finish it, just start yeah. it. But mm-hmm. um, I've always dreamed of working at the Apple store. I love Apple products. <laughs> Um, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Gloriously nerdy. (laughs) Like I want to work at the Apple Store, and I want to help people. I love like teaching people how to use technology. It's just my favorite thing to do. Like I have, I do it. You do do light up when you talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, I do like a tech tips thing on like my Instagram, and like people reach out and they're like, "Hey Nick, can you do a tech tips on uh how to do this?" I'm like, sure. No way. Or I just help them private. Like I, I really like product recommendation. That's a really fun thing to do. Where you mm-hmm. find like someone who needs something, whether it's they need a new phone or a new TV or a keyboard, and they're like, "Which one should I get?" And I'm like, "I got you." But that's that's I. <laughs> that is so I would great. do that. I you should and totally I, and do that. I'm, you should do that I'm, anyway. Actually, monetize yeah. That I, I'm, I'm honestly. <laughs> I've been doing it. It's been fun. Uh, but I also. Um, like it would be amazing to 
get to a point where I could like make a living from doing Twitch. Like right now I have subscribers, but it's not like a lot. Like mm-hmm, I'm making right. enough money to like get me a few coffees, but that'd be amazing <laughs> right. to like, you know, make a living off that. Cause that's, you're still creative. You're creating content. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would be a content creator in some form. In some, some form yeah. or another. Yeah. yeah. So we have to make sure knowing a lot of technology would only be helpful mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Particular I just gave sense, you also. like 10 different things I would do. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of doing all of it and seeing what sticks. See, but we're, maybe... we're the cheerleaders. So we're like, yeah, do that. All yeah. of it. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Go Nick. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Well, and again, like yeah, this like, is the time. Yeah. Like I it feel is. like the There's... beginning of the pandemic was not a good time for any artist at all, which is one of the reasons why we wanted, we've started this podcast and wanted to talk to artists is because it was, you know, everyone had all the time in the world, but there was no mental space no. to be, right. you know, be creative. But I feel like now, even though it's still bad in many ways, it has now come to the point where especially artists who have been unemployed by COVID mm-hmm. are having to reevaluate. You yeah. just have to, you know, you yeah, have to, and you, even if it's a short term reevaluation, mm-hmm. even if it's like, what am I doing until next year this time? You still have to consider and I, I am always an advocate of don't just get a job, like actually train yourself to do something you're really interested in doing because yeah. especially in theater, we don't know how long our careers are going to last. You don't know. No, and this was a huge wake up call. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, I did it. Like I'm out. Like it's, but, um, I just kind of am going with the flow day by day. My unemployment's right. not up for a long time. <laughs> so I'm gonna just keep chugging at it. Like, I mean, yeah. it would be nice to book a. Okay, Kylo wants my necklace. She's trying to eat <laughs> your necklace. <laughs> it would be nice to book like a TV show, you know. But yeah, sure. You just gotta yeah, see because it, it that could happen. You just don't, or you could. I could book like a. You could book like a streaming theater gig. You just don't know. A hundred percent. So yeah. Until yes. then, you just keep creating and yep. just be nice to yourself because it's yeah. it's hard That's right all we now got. yeah so you're all you're mr um recommendation for all sorts of things i have to know how <laughs> did you decide on what kind of beautiful little puppy to get well i actually was gonna get a dog at the beginning of uh quarantine because i saw everyone getting a puppy yep so i was mm-hmm. like i'm gonna adopt so I was looking at sites and then there was, I didn't know there was a whole application. He's looking for the necklace. You see? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the puppy's been trying to eat his necklace and he tucked it in his t-shirt. Scully oh, capture. Knows. Go. Oh, yes. I know. <laughs> now he wants kisses. Um, so I was applying and I didn't really know how long it would take. And then all of a sudden all the dogs were gone. gone. Yep. Like adopted. the small ones. And I was like, crap. Cause I'm, I have allergies that are really bad mm. and I need a small dog to travel. Cause at the time I was like, Oh, this Aida tour is still going to happen sometime soon. <laughs> nope. Uh, mm. So I had found on Instagram, a pet store in Queens. And they also had like good relationships with certain breeders. Like I would reach out to the breeders directly and they were like so expensive, mm. but oh. they had like, connections and so i found like a dog that i was gonna get and then i hesitated right because i was like wait i need a few more days 
<laughs> and uh, I didn't put a deposit down and they sold the dog. And, and the dog I was, gone. I was like crying for like three days. I was so Aww. sad. So I knew that I had to get a dog. Yeah. So that was like the sign that I still wanted a dog. But then my dog at home was still sick and he was 18 years old Aww. and we just put him down in July. So I, it's okay. He had such a long life. So it was also, it was his time. It was 18 Mm. years. He wasn't doing well. So so it was really long for a dog. So I felt like, okay, I need to wait till that happens. And I need to wait till there's a time where I feel ready for another dog in my life. So, um, Mm -hmm. but then Berkshire theater happened. So that kind of made that. Uh, that decision take a little bit longer, but then halfway through that process, I saw their Instagram pop up again, and I was like, "Oh man, look at these puppies!" I was like, "Crap, I want a dog." And my friend brought his dog down there, Ollie, a little Frenchie, and I was obsessed. And I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna get a dog." And I found Kylo. <laughs> look at that face. Oh. <laughs> He's so captured. Cute. Captured. Who, who would captured. be his name? His name was uh, Jackson. But I saw him, and I was like, it was like a week, <laughs> less than a week before we were going home. And I was like, oh my god, is he available? How much? And I put a deposit, and I went on Tuesday when I got back, and I picked him up. Look at that the, face and puppy. He's, honestly, <laughs> and he's what? Been, and what breed is he? Nick? He's a Shih Tzu poodle mix, so he's a Shih Tzu, Shih Tzu. So he kind of looks like a Yorkie because of his colors, uh huh, because mm-hmm. the brown and black. But he's definitely because he has that one. Yeah, Shih Tzu, yeah, Shih Tzu poodle. He's like yeah. definitely, and he was so small when I first got him. He's getting, <laughs> he's getting big. Oh, don't get. It. Oh, <laughs> um, oh but gosh, he's been so great. honestly. I've raised two puppies before, and he's been the easiest, surprisingly. Oh. Good. He doesn't bark. He doesn't cry. He, Seriously? Wow. Yeah. I heard him bark for the first time like two days ago. <laughs> uh, he already pees on the pad. I mean. Good boy. He's been, yeah, he's a good boy. <laughs> he's, all right, he's a smart he's, one. He's, yeah. You're, and you're the second friend in a week that's gotten a shit seal. A shit sh- oh, Yeah. A shapoo. Yeah. Shapoopy. They're adorable. My, yeah. My dog, whose name is Elaine Stritch, that's right, we call her Stritch. <laughs> oh yeah, um, she's she was a rescue a, a few years ago, um, but she's part, we had her. We you know you can do the DNA test, but I mean you got her yeah. from a breeder's him from a breeder. But um, when we got it back, she was part Shih Tzu, and she has the underoid, which is how you yeah. can tell, and the attitude. I, think, he's, I love them. He's, this guy is definitely more of like the poodle. Uh, traits like very like trainable and mm. smart very tame he's smart he's yeah, he's eye really contact good. yeah yeah and that's good he's, for your allergies right because poodles have hair not fur something like that yeah he doesn't he doesn't sh- really shed much mm. um i haven't had any problems yet he's honestly perfect and uh, i'm already like crazy f- in love with him he's the best <laughs> i was it's got to be nice to have companionship too since you live alone and new oh, york yeah. is <laughs> so shut down still i mean you know we're having now, like anyways. these conversations now and like obviously these are difficult conversations to have even sure. like with your friends so it's nice to have a dog to like hold on to and yes. be like it's okay mm, <laughs> yes in the unconditional love yeah yes 
I saw a picture of you, speaking of products, where it's a sling that oh, Kylo yes. is in with like that. <laughs> what was that? Like mine's oh a little bit too God, big now for that, that anymore, but that is I an know, extraordinary I don't know if I mean, object. He does fit. I got it from Amazon. It's literally <gasps> like, it's like a satchel Cross over the shoulder thing. Yeah, where you put him in and he just pops his little head out and he's... Sometimes like a baby he, sling or baby yeah. Bjorn, but for he a loves, puppy. He loves it though. He literally loves it. We had puns. a baby Bjorn for Stretch when she was little, but <laughs> it's, that's a great he, product anyway. He likes, to, uh, he likes to climb too. He's very strange. Aww. He'll climb, if he could, he'd climb like on my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> he likes to go in the satchel and like, okay, Kylo. <laughs> he likes... <laughs> <laughs> he heard kisses and that's it. It's all over. <laughs> he likes to go inside the satchel and like turn himself around uh-huh. so that his head is actually like in the dark. Uh-huh. And he's, it's, I guess he feels cozy. Yes. Okay. He knows we're talking about him. <laughs> yes. This is too cute. One more screen capture. Uh, adorable. <laughs> COVID puppy. I know. COVID love. Look at that. Yes. Uh, oh should gosh. we do a li- we're at, I think we've just passed an hour. We don't we want to be mindful of your time, Nick. But yeah. um do you want to do a little speed round? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, <laughs> right. and and when we say speed, it's relative. Yeah. Take as much time as you need. Yeah. <laughs> Shorter <laughs> to answer any question you like. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking we're talking about purchases. What's the weirdest thing you've bought during COVID? Besides oh man! Besides, the, the dog's not weird. <laughs> Weirdest thing! Oh my gosh! I'm like looking around my apartment. What have I bought? <laughs> oh, those? here we go! Okay. Right here. This baby Yoda plush. <laughs> is that a crocheted baby oh, Yoda? Oh my gosh! Yes. It is, yes. <laughs> my and friend that's for you, made not them, for the dog. <laughs> and it's for me. Uh, he'll destroy this. My friend made it. His her mom made them, and she posted on Instagram, and I was like, I have to have this. Yes. That's and awesome. he's carrying a little basket. Can you actually put things in that oh, little basket? It's, no, it's his um it's his like the 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 teacup that he like drinks out oh, of oh, in the show. Yeah. I guess it. you could put like you could put little treats in there. You could Kyla uh-huh. would probably destroy it though. Yes. Don't I mean it's it. almost Halloween you should put candy corn. Candy corn. <laughs> I should. You should put candy corn in everything because it's delicious. Um the devil's candy. <sighs> Fight me. Um, all right, <laughs> fine. What's your favorite <laughs> Halloween candy? Oh, there we go. <laughs> that wasn't going to be a question, but Reese's now it is. peanut butter cups. Oh, full yes, size or little? Winner. I like I like the pumpkin shaped mm-hmm. ones. I don't know why. Uh, they, I, it's I the, swear it's they the taste peanut different. butter ratio. <laughs> yeah. No, the yeah, Christmas yeah. trees, the Easter eggs, and the pumpkins. <laughs> Not that I would know from direct experience, but I've heard. <laughs> They're my favorite candy. It's fine. Uh, the, it is it's, like it's more peanut butter and less, slightly less chocolate. It so, is. Huh. <laughs> it's butter. I agree. Uh, I don't know if you are an adult beverage participator, but do you no, have a favorite? No, I've actually been sober for three months. Oh, good for well, you. Cali sober. But I can tell you a favorite drink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, or I was, the question usually is what's your favorite quarantini or mocktail? Martini. You know, apocalyptic mocktail or, or, during, you know, preferred beverage during COVID. Right. <laughs> All right. Just, during quarantine, yeah. I was drinking bottles upon bottles of the Apothic Red. Yes. Blend. Oh, red yeah. blend. It is, 
It is honestly so I it couldn't get over it. Real delicious. It's a it so wine. good. Yeah, yes. it's so good. Um, very affordable too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really make. I don't, I'm not really like a cocktail person, but yeah. No, that's good. Hmm. Yeah. But, uh, do you have a favorite tea? I heard the tea thing go. Your, your tea kettle. Going. Yes, matcha, matcha ah, green tea. All right, good for you. Keeps you awake, yeah. but not crazy. Excellent. Yeah, a little bitter. Uh, if you had, if money was no object, we weren't living with a pandemic and all the other unrest and tumult of this last year, and you could do any creative project, do you have a dream project that you would do? Oh, I would work on my EP. Or do you mean a theater show too? I, whatever, however dream, you want to answer dream that. Project. No, I, I, I would want to put all my savings into my, to making an, to making an EP, like rent a studio, get a producer get a in New York city, get right. a band, Excellent. go into a studio and like record my EP for like a whole day. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I that think you, should, you just put it out there in the universe and whoever's yes. listening, lots yep. of people in the music industry. There it is. Please. We'll, we yes. will have ways for you to contact Nick on our <laughs> website. So, yeah, there you go. That's great. All right. And Anything then, we've missed? I don't think so. No, we've covered, think about we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Did you have a favorite moment during the Godspell run? Oh yeah, that's a good meeting one. Brian Stokes Mitchell. Oh that my god, incredible! He uh, he did a concert, and we were able to see it actually safely. We were literally behind a fence <laughs> where the the parking lot ends. It's a little bit elevated. That's where like friends would sit uh-huh. if they couldn't afford a ticket. <laughs> so they set that up for us there because technically we're not supposed to be in you know outside of our bubble in the group mm-hmm. gathering but mm-hmm. i was able to meet him because he came to then see our show the night before mm. um and then i met him after lots of tears uh i saw his show and then he had called me like the next day oh my gosh he like sent me a text and i was like what and then he had <laughs> called me and he was like i just wanted to see how you were doing during this time with everything that's been happening wow. and it was Wow. Honestly, life changing. Never forget. Actually, I should reach out to him and be like, "I'm back you in should. the city." <laughs> yes, absolutely. You yeah, should. you yeah. should. That's no, exactly he, how it he, works. Yeah, yeah, he wants to. He wants to keep in touch and be uh, sort of like a mentor, which is really cool. Someone who I've yes. like always look up to. That's Isn't that amazing. crazy. Yeah. It's who I've idolized. Um, but that was, yeah, that was my favorite like cool thing that's happened. That's amazing. Yeah, Beautiful. that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And then we always close with the last question, which is, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to more family time coming up, more time with hopefully friends safely. Now that like testing is widely available in New York, I hope, I think it is, because mm-hmm. it's really easy mm-hmm. to get a test now. Um, I got a rapid test last Sunday. Um, wow. So that was really nice. Yeah. Uh, and it's not too expensive that I can have time to actually like be home for like maybe all of um, November, December, like just be with my family like for the holidays. Yeah. Because yeah, I haven't had that in a long time. Like I would literally like in Les Mis or Frozen, if they didn't come to me, I went to 
my mom's house for like a day, you know, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um, would have to then come back the next day because I like I couldn't stay on Thanksgiving because I have to go to a show. So, yeah, yeah more right. time and friends with family and time to work on myself. You know, I try. Right. I, I I think about the. You have to learn how to flip the script right now because there's a yeah. lot of mm-hmm. negative thoughts out there. And instead of being like, well, I'm unemployed and I don't have a job, you'd be like, oh, well, financially, I'm actually okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've qualified for unemployment and I have all this time to work on myself and do mm-hmm. all of these creative passion projects I never had time to do. Yeah, and right. learn a new skill. So expand other talents, yeah. a, gi- a yeah. gift of a different a kind, use. for sure. Yeah, you have, you have to look at it that way, or you'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of that too. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, my a lot of both. My goodness, you are just a delightful human being, Nick. And I oh, thank wish you, you so all much. the best of luck. Not that you need it, but uh, I can't wait to see yeah, what you do thank next. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for bringing me out. I talking to us. Love talking (laughs) i love love talking to people i love meeting new people it's something i've learned about myself recently that i really do love to um open myself up to people Mm -hmm. i was kind of i wouldn't say i was reserved but i definitely wear my heart on my sleeve but was a little bit more guarded but Mm. i've come to accept that that's just who i am and if people If I can help someone in any way um, by sharing my experiences, then here I am. I'm. I love it. So thank you so much. Yeah. I'm oh, thank you. Really happy to have done this. Oh, this is so fun. Thanks for joining us this week on the Artist Care and Feeding podcast. If you want to learn more about the artists featured on the show, you can visit our website, artistcareandfeeding.com, where there are links to their socials, our socials, links to some of their work, and most importantly, a tip jar for individual artists so you can help feed the artists. We want to thank our producer, Mark Rivett, Martin Hanlon, who composed the theme music you hear throughout the show, and Kurt Leitner, our wonderful artist friend over there in Sweden who created the artwork for Artist Care and Feeding. See you next time.